we should count we're really good at, the counting helps me the clap doesn't help <laughs> every time i say the clap i laugh i don't want the clap <laughs> the clap doesn't help anyone A song stuck in my head you might know all day. What? By Brandy and Monica. Yes. It is it is called The Boy Is Mine. <laughs> that boy why. is mine. <laughs> you need to give it up. I don't know why. I also <laughs> I wonder if you know this song. I don't know who it's by, but it's like slam dunk the funk, put it up. Now it's <laughs> <laughs> I love that I went in with Slam Dunk the Funk and then went to critique it. Um, now, Anna, that song, Slam Dunk the Funk. Is this I your believe... topic? No. <laughs> Can't I just talk to you human to human? Hey, hey, people. What's up? I had coffee this time. Last time, we recorded, we always record kind of late at night for me. <sighs> we have yeah. kids. We Well, we have a kid each. Yeah. Together, we have kids. So, last time, Anna told me I sounded like a librarian on morphine. And I had way too much coffee, and I apologize if any of you noticed that I said like a lot. That was embarrassing <laughs> and shameful, but I am from California. Yeah. So, I'm going to try to stop that, but I didn't have any coffee, so. Somebody suggested to me to drink herba mate tea. Oh, said, what? A, a, a person not the the other part (laughs) what is it herba mate yerba mate i like that you thought i was confused by the word person not herba mate (laughs) i was just gonna say a person i mean i have no idea i still have no idea what you're talking about it's a tea and it's supposed to like energize you but you don't crash i thought you were gonna say cry but you don't cry we don't cry (laughs) we we were just talking about how um I don't know. We're emotional, but we can't really cry. Yeah. Is that is that too personal? Should we not yeah. talk about how? Yeah. No, because I think I, we're being authentic. Yeah, we're authentic sociopaths, but yeah. we understand. <laughs> <laughs> we just have trouble getting in the moment to cry. Like, we'll try it, but... I cry alone. I don't cry in front of others. That's right. You keep your crying to yourself. Yeah. In your bedroom late at night. Yeah. Under the covers. Nobody has to With see my it. my earbuds in. All your senses turned off and you just let it pour. All my new wave bullshit music. Anna likes, Anna likes some bullshit music. You yeah. actually don't. I like your style. Yeah, I it's like not, my style. It's not quite my style, though. I like the crooners, personally. I really like your style, though. You always make fun of my crooners. I just I just like to make fun of you, but I really like your style. No, anything with, like, a waltz, any type of waltz or any type of... Yeah. Um, like 50s vibe yeah totally I'm probably gonna like it or any girly singer like oh, yeah i'll like it i imagine you would like anything with like a motown vibe um i think that's you because you're like no you you like the like the, the doo-wop I shit what you're saying you like what they play at weddings like wedding djs oh no that's all they no. play is earth wind and fire at weddings <laughs> 
That's why I didn't have a DJ at my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so much for that wedding. My husband loves that music, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> he loves it. I didn't we know that. Does he bebop to it? Is yes. he a big dancer? He does. Like Tower of Power, Earth, Wind, and no. Fire, and like all of that stuff that you hear at a wedding, and you're like, everyone's like, put your hands up, and they're dancing. <gasps> yeah, he's down. He's the target audience? I had no idea. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite bands? Maybe we have some listeners that um, oh. identify with your favorite bands. Because you really, what did you describe it as? Like an 80s gay man <laughs> chamber rock music? Let's not share that. I'm going to cut that out. No, you don't have to cut it out, but we won't go into detail. <laughs> we won't go into detail. Um, I have, I, I will always love Pink Floyd. I have a tattoo on my fingers. <laughs> You're so laughing at me. And you know no, what? I'm laughing with you. You can just take your Lucille Ball tattoo and shove you know it up your ass. Old people love it. <laughs> I get stopped on the street by the oldest people. Is that Lucy? It's the best. Allison has some prize tattoos. They're good. Surprise tattoos? No, prize. Like, they're a prize. They're all women. She's tattooed full of women. I do. And I didn't mean to do that. I just started tattooing ladies on me, and now now I have a lot of ladies. Anyway. (laughs) So, last week I I said I was going to talk about soiled doves, and you looked perplexed. Yeah, I've never heard that before in my life. Soiled doves are actually the prostitutes of the wild west oh okay yeah those dirty birds you know so soiled doves is just like another euphemism for like a prostitute a a saloon girl ladies of the evening ladies of the night they're also called like prairie prairie doves um but these women were badass Um, I'm not necessarily saying I'm talking about this to say like, oh, prostitution is the shit or anything like that. But um, I consider myself a feminist and I think that prostitutes of the Wild West are a huge contribution to the development of the of the West. Um, Mm. And, um, you know, there were a ton of men just flocking out here during the gold rush, um, a ton of businesses going up, um, a lot of money being infiltrated into the West. And, um, you know, despite like whatever your, your opinion is on prostitution, um, you can't necessarily deny that the women um, who partook in this business were ambitious and they were like amazing entrepreneurs and they pretty much made the most out of the hand that they were dealt i love that that's a really good way of seeing that that's a really good point yeah like before i i when i was researching this i was like how do i paint this in a light that is empowering rather than completely degrading to women um, well, you know, there's a side of prostitution that also obviously led in like death and disease and um, not so good things. There are yeah. some women that are famous for having basically like made the most out of the situation and they have some really interesting um, backstories. Um, so a lot of women in that industry, they ended up retiring super wealthy and it wasn't just men who hit it big with with gold rush um but women and madams who just like totally capitalized on a thriving business they were very well respected too were they not 
the madams madame. they were like infamous um yeah they were people like painted art after them and mm-hmm. i mean it was certainly not as taboo as it would have been now um and before some of the more like virtuous um ideals of what women should be before that really became like a thing um you know when I was researching this topic I was like I don't want to be sounding like I'm trying to say like yay prostitution but no but it is empowering and it builds up um to what I wanted to talk about the women like some of these women who were just like kick ass um because a lot of these women who ended up being super kick-ass they were young they were illiterate they came from poor broken families and they really had like a limited number of options available to them um so they kind of like turned it to prostitution for a means of survival but in that you know wake of adversity they like became these amazing business people and in the olden days of brothels or bordellos or saloons a lot of um a lot of them were run by women they were run Mm -hmm. by what's known as a madame and and they really took care of the girls and they made sure that they were clothed and taken care of and fed and treated properly and it wasn't really until like men got involved and pimps came into the picture that meant that women really started to see like a decline in their treatment so it was just kind of interesting to see that like at it at that inception of that that it was a women women run industry and like they were using the assets that they had you know to their advantage so you know the few brave women who like were participating in this they and the madame specifically they were like in charge of the cleanliness of the brothel they were in charge of providing training to the women their cosmetics their clothes and they were like major business people um and the other side of this is that there actually was some positivity that came from the revenue of brothels because there was so much money being brought into the cities and they taxed these businesses so heavily they made them get really expensive licenses they made them pay all these kinds of fines that that the city now got all this funding basically Mm -hmm. to create new businesses to have social services etc um a way that these these um brothels were stayed on the good side of like law enforcement in the city is they contributed a lot of money to charitable organizations like schools and churches and all these things yeah like i i didn't know about this so it's very lucrative industry yeah brothels were like the first social services before there were social services they would like they would provide like health care for women they would house children and like orphanages and like there was all this money going going from one seedy thing but into like a really good thing so yeah two sides to this um i think i mean it is um, a taboo thing today but it's um but i don't ever think of it as a dirty thing unless there's like any industry and abuse of power um yeah where you know thing like the introduction of pimps and things like that it sort of infiltrates the industry and turns it into something different but yeah um from the beginning it sounds like they had good intentions and like you said they were there was a hand that they were dealt and they rocked it (laughs) you know those women did an amazing job with their work they did yeah yeah so i'm going to tell you a little bit about a few of these different women and some little like stories about them so there was eleanor dumont 
um, and she opened several successful gaming parlors in California. And what she did that was like rare is that instead of whiskey, she served champagne and she only let well-dressed gentlemen into her clubs. What a lady. Yeah. She would have she been was friends like, with us. Like more of a respectable um, madame of the time. Yeah. And um, after the gold ran dry and there weren't as many people, she fell in love with Jack McKnight and he ended up being a con man and he stole all of her money and what yeah he stole all of her money but she like didn't take his shit and she chased him down and shot him (laughs) i was just gonna say after all this he just takes her money and runs Mm -mm. yeah i mean i guess i'm I'm not necessarily saying like oh yeah if he done you dirty you chase him after you chase after him and you shoot him but like but i mean wild west these women yeah wild west yeah um yeah then there's Fanny Porter. She -hmm. was from Texas and she was known to have fine glass fixtures, silk sheets, and plush carpeting. And she was actually... I was just going to make a plush carpeting joke. I'm sorry. Go on. (laughs) I bet she had (laughs) plush carpeting. (laughs) She had special guests such as Butch Cassidy. You said Bush Um, because it was on your brain. Bush. (laughs) You totally said it. It's okay. She was no pushover either, and she would chase law enforcement off her property with a broom. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Then there's Big Nose Kate. Big Nose Kate? Mary Catherine Harney. And she's best known for her relationship with Doc Holliday. Of course. Um, she ran away from home at 16, became a prostitute. Moved to Texas. She was in this in this relationship with Doc Holiday, and he was super violent whenever um, whenever they they like they both drank too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she ended up. So Doc Holiday was ended up going to jail. She broke him out of jail by starting a fire and pulling a gun on the jail guard. <laughs> These women. Okay, let's just think about this for a second. These women were badass. That's yeah. amazing. They didn't stand for any shit. Absolutely not. Oh. Yeah. No, but they had that fire and they had that, like... Yeah. No one's going to take care of me but me. Like, and so amazing. many people think of, like, the Wild West as just these, like, these duels with these men who are yeah. all, like, fighting in bar fights. But, like, these women were, like... They're can you incredible. imagine? I would love yeah. to learn more about know. that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, then there's Molly Johnson. She was from Deadwood, um... And she was kind of like a celebrity for like reality, like a reality celebrity. Like everybody was into like her antics. Mm -hmm. She would um, she would rent a carriage and ride it up and down. And she would like snub all of the lesser women that she passed. (laughs) So like people associate prostitution as being these like seedy women who like were in the shadows. But like now she was just parading around town being like, I'm the fucking shit. Wouldn't you do something like that? If if, Maybe you're going to do. Yeah, she um, she ended up and then she ended up marrying a black entertainer, Lou Spencer. Mm -hmm. And um, she was known as the queen of the blondes because she would like mentor other other women, other like soiled doves. And she was known for mentoring blondes. (laughs) Interesting. Weird. Mm -hmm. And then there's Mary Ellen Pleasant. Um, She was known as Mistress Pleasant and was called the mother of civil rights in California. 
she was cool she was a, a mixed race but she was black and she actually used a lot of her money and power to help in in the abolitionist movement awesome so yeah. they ended up they ended up her and her husband james smith they were actually helping to free slaves via the underground railroad rebel women doing shit I mean, these people became like pretty powerful and they had lots of money, lots of real estate, lots of power, and they could actually like do some good things despite, you know, being considered like they weren't really fully accepted by society, but they still did some pretty amazing things. There are some stereotypes about sex workers in this country and they kind of defy that. So I love learning about the history of um, sex work, really. So then there was Julia Boulette. Um, she was from Virginia, Virginia City, Nevada. Um, she was beautiful and witty, and she was like she was known as like the heart of gold prostitute. And she was like really do-gooder, and she would donate large sums of money to um, to the town. And she would like nurse the sick miners. She would raise money for the Union during the Civil War, and she ended up being made an honorary firefighter because of her um, like charitable charitable contribu- contributions. You guys. Screw yeah. International Women's Day because these women, like, yeah, you've got to know their stories and celebrate them every day. I have one. I have one more. There's Mary Ann Conklin. Um, she was other otherwise known as Mother Damnable. Um, Love that. She was known for her temper and her constant swearing. She managed a hotel in Seattle, and she could speak. Um, English, French, Spanish, German, Portuguese, and Chinese. Wow. And she was said that, like, anytime she, like, entered a room, she was always surrounded by wild dogs. And that she <laughs> carried stones in her apron, and she would throw them at people when she was pissed off. I just... But this is the weird part. This is the weird, creepy part. She died in 1873, and she was buried in Seattle. And, um, like, years later, this particular cemetery was being... Um, like excavated and the bodies were being removed and put somewhere else they were making like a i hope not a parking lot or something but um when they they said that when her body was dug up it was like super heavy and so the coffin was super heavy so they opened the coffin up and they found that her body had been completely turned to stone no So what are you going to talk about this time? <coughs> talk about it. I took off anyway, so I just got it out of the way. Um, one of the things I actually really want to talk about is the origins of cold cream and what it is and how it's used. Because oh. I, I'm not trying to promote my cold cream or anything. I just want to talk about cold cream because I get so many questions about what is it. And 
it's cold. Does that mean I have to keep it in the refrigerator? Why is it called cold cream? Why don't I see this on the shelves anymore? Is it a lotion? Yeah, is it a no, cleanser? no one really quite knows. And that's the answer is basically all of those things except the refrigerator. You don't have to do that because it's such a multi-use product. Um, but I just kind of wanted to go into where it came from, why you don't see it around very often, how you can use it, why people love it, what's in it, that type of thing. So I just kind of want to gloss over these things. Mm. Are you interested in this? I feel like you might be. I am because I, 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 I don't really know. I know like a little tiny bit. It's one bit. of those things that I'm, I'm just so used to knowing that I forget that it's like I did a lot of research on it in, in for years. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's why. Um, it was actually, before I even started Zolia Vera, my company, I um, was making cold cream for myself. I bought a name brand. I'm not going to say it, but I bought a name brand, very popular cold cream. Yeah. I really didn't like it. It was full of mineral oil. I don't really Ooh. like mineral oil. Yeah. I don't like the yeah. texture. It makes a really greasy texture. Film. Yeah, it makes a film, yeah. And I yeah. thought, like, man, I've done a lot of research on cold cream, and this is not what I thought it would be. And then when I started looking, because I was really excited. I was really into, you know, old beauty skincare routines. And I thought, this is the stuff for me. Like, it's a great makeup remover. It can do it all. And then I bought some and was like, ooh, this is yeah. just straight up grease. <laughs> and I didn't like that. So um, so that was actually one of the, I think, yeah, even before uh, I taught myself how to make soap, I was dabbling with cold cream recipes. And that was the first thing I made for my company because I had tried for years to make like the perfect cold cream because I needed one. I really wanted to try a good cold cream. And that's kind of where the inspiration for Zolia Vera came from as I um, was just looking up all of these old recipes and found I was really into reading like 1800s almanacs. And um, before you bought stuff like this in stores, you would make it. Um, mm. Like if you were really rich, your lady's maid would make it or you would get it from, you know, down the street where someone else was making it. But it wasn't, you know, a store product with preservative in it. It was something mm. that you made mm -hmm. at home, you know, in the Victorian era and the Edwardian yeah. era, things like that. Um, but then it became kind of a mainstream thing. Blah, blah, it became a mainstream thing. Um I found out, which I'll get into because that's all the stuff I know and like and, and that I got mm. a lot of questions about, but I found out in my research for the podcast where it all came from. So basically it was grease and water or like <laughs> beeswax and grease and it's actually okay. been made since it was like um, 129 AD. That's what I wrote down here. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which I didn't know. It's just mm. been used, I mean, because people needed... A product like this for that long yeah i know it used to be really popular but i had no idea so it's interesting that it's been phased out over the past 50 years and yet it's been used since 129 AD. yeah like in the in the 20th 21st and 20th century it's slowed down mm -hmm. but yet it was being used so prevalently yeah so the main reason for that because people always assume well there must be a reason for that and maybe it's not all it's chalked up to be what actually happened is lots and lots of different types of cleansers were introduced to the mm -hmm. market and because of that people didn't see a need for cold cream anymore people didn't really understand what it was they saw these foaming yeah. cleansers and charcoal cleansers and exfoliating cleansers and uh you know all the purifying things like that. cleansers right people started wanting to kind of strip their skin um, which doesn't really work super well, but in yeah. theory, on a package, it does sound good, I guess. Yeah. 
um, especially if you know you're trying to fight acne or you're trying to just brighten your complexion and things like that. But what people don't realize is cold cream is actually the best thing you can use for that. Really? Um, so essentially what a cold cream is made up of is, um, I mean, nowadays it's it's changed quite a bit from 129 AD up until yeah. the 1600s. It was actually pretty similar. And so in the 1600s, that's when, as you may know, Anna, perfume became very popular. So people wanted to like not put grease and water on their face anymore. Yeah. And they wanted to emulsify it, which they started using yeah. whale sperm wax, spermaceti. Ooh. And um, they would also use uh, beeswax. And they would use beeswax with olive oil, and that was kind of their new grease. But they started adding perfumes to it. Oh, really? Yeah. So rose is really popular, and they would do violet, camphor sometimes. Yeah. Um, Camphor is a funny one. Yeah. I don't know why they did camphor. It's like very medicinal smelling. It's like eucalyptus. I have it. Yeah. It is like eucalyptus. Yeah. It's like that, but even weird eucalyptus is better but yeah it worries me why people would want to use camphor because you can't put that by your eyes right you don't want to do that so i'm not sure why it was used. so maybe if there's a listener that knows why camphor was used i'd love to hear because um maybe it was just an accident (laughs) maybe it was an accident (laughs) oh we put camphor in this batch instead of rose uh hope everybody likes it could have been because i honestly don't understand that one um, or maybe maybe cold cream had other uses. Like yeah. maybe it had more of a Vicks type quality where That's you could put it in, under your nose of. to like yeah. clear your sinuses. Or, right. Yeah. But I wonder if it was still attributed, at, well, called cold cream then, if cold creams were had multi-use in that respect. Because I think primarily it was just for your face. Mm-hmm. But maybe they were calling it cold cream even though it was used for lots of different things, like an ointment, like maybe that was just a general term cold right. cream um and there were specific kinds i like that could be so yeah so they would melt down beeswax and add olive oil to it and then in the 1600s um olive oil isn't a super stable oil it can go rancid kind of quickly yeah so especially if you're using a product you're making a product that doesn't have a preservative you kind of want to mm. have a long shelf life on your oils another thing is it's a little greasier there are actually oils that are more lightweight like jojoba oil um Mm -hmm. sunflower oil and almond oil those are all really lightweight oils and they actually sink into your skin so if you think of having pores you know there are certain oil molecules that are going to sit on top of skin mineral oil i believe is one of those i'm not you may not want to quote me on that but i know it it doesn't sink into your skin in the same capacity um and so olive oil was phased out and they started using sweet almond oil I love sweet almond oil. It's so I think that's regarded as probably the best oil, aside from jojoba oil, um, like carrier oil for your skin. Yeah, because it jojoba sinks is in. great too. It's just more expensive. So it is exactly. Well, sweet almond oil is kind of expensive too, but yeah, jojoba oil has a weird history of just fluctuation on the market. I use it in some of my products, and um, sometimes it'll be really expensive, and sometimes it'll be pretty cheap, and you never really know. It's one that just goes up and down quite a bit. But regardless, it's still a really good oil, so I continue to use it. Yeah, so the olive oil is phased out. They were using beeswax with perfume and almond oil. Um, and then That's what I use for mine. 
Well, no, I actually use soy wax now, but we're yeah. going to go back to using beeswax. Anyways, yeah, yeah. go on. Yeah, no, I mean, there's lots of different waxes you can use depending on the consistency you want and how much oil you're going to put into it because you want to make sure it emulsifies. Um, wax, everybody, is pretty much just used when you need to mix oil with water. That's really mm-hmm. the only reason you need to use it. You can use whale sperm if you want. I wouldn't recommend it, but they did. And if you're into that sort of thing, it's still, it's an option for you. I don't want to tell you no. And then, yeah, people started scenting it with rose oil, which is a great idea because nobody wants to, the smell of like natural grease, natural oil, it's kind of funky, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, it's like a basic smell, but it just, it smells like grease. Smells like vegetable oil a little bit, you know? Um, Who doesn't want to smell like roses? And rose oil is really good for your skin as well um, if you use a small quantity. Mm -hmm. So in the 1600s, they started formulating it like that because it was much better. And um, after, you know, so they were still using it for skin care and to moisturize and all of that. And maybe like you were saying, a medicinal ointment as well with camphor. Um, And then, you know, makeup started to get more popular in the early 1900s. Girls weren't called harlots anymore for wearing makeup. They could yeah. buy it at department stores. It was much more widely accepted. And makeup back then was thick. It was greasy, it was thick, and it was kind of nasty. Can you imagine working with that stuff today as a makeup artist? I kind of want to. <laughs> I know, but like, they should make like a reality show of like just using old products, yeah. old recipes. Yeah, no, I love that. Do. But there's a reason they were phased out, I've got to say. I mean, aside from, you know, arsenic, mercury. Yeah, (laughs) from the dangers, but... Right, but you can still... I mean, that's what I do today is I mimic those recipes in my own skincare recipes. But the makeup especially, makeup has come leaps and bounds. So makeup was pretty much comprised of grease and pigment back then. Now it's much more lightweight. There's alcohols involved. Um, you know, like you can have a long wear product that stays on all day and is really pigmented, but it's super lightweight. Um, back then it was just kind of intense. It was just kind of wet pigment. And, you know, you've got like the cake mascara where it was just powder and then, you you know, so everything was mostly pigment, which is funny because nowadays pigment is associated with high end companies because it's so expensive to put pigment in products. So that's why, you know, like name brand eyeshadows will have more pigment than drugstore yeah. Um, yeah. versions. And that's why sometimes the foundations are, are better too. But um, So once makeup started becoming popular, cold cream really had its heyday. And so that was kind of, um, you know, Victoria, I would say a little bit after the Victorian era, all the way up until the 60s. Because in the 60s, I think why it kind of phased out a little then is because um, sort of the hippie movement right because people didn't wear so much makeup they were super natural i don't know i wasn't born then but (laughs) it seems right (laughs) when i think about it right yeah yeah Yeah. i mean the industry's changed so the need and the demand supply and demand man Mm -hmm. so it kind of started to phase out around then but but up until then it was primarily used you know for those 50 years before as a makeup remover because this makeup was heavy and these women, you know, if they were to use products like we do today, like a foaming oh, face gosh. cleanser, no. So harsh. Not gonna, yeah. It's harsh and it's not going to remove anything. Drying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's really drying. Um, and it really, and I don't know if you've ever had a full face of makeup and you use a cleanser like that. Um, 
No. Yeah. Like with this, you can get water. You need a makeup off. remover in your cleanser. A lot of people yes. don't understand that there's cleansers and then mm. there's cleansers with makeup remover. Right. And a lot of people will wash their face with just like a cleanser and you're not getting that off your face. It's sitting all. in your skin. Mm-hmm. And that's how you end up with major skin issues. Yeah. You so or you can use a makeup remover and a cleanser, but either right. way you have to remove that makeup. And the best way to do that is something that's oil-based because oil is the only thing that's going to break that up. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. use something that's water-based with not a lot of oil, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. So the good thing about cold cream is it's an oil-water emulsion. So basically the way it works is there's water and there's oil. And the oils that are used in cold cream should be lightweight oils like almond mm. oil, jojoba oil. You can use you know rose water, rose oil, things like that. And so those are going to sink into your skin so that when you wipe off the cold cream, it's actually taking all the gunk from inside your face that the makeup is left there. And because it's a thick cream, it's going to also sit on top of your skin like a mask and kind of moisturize and get it all like nice and creamy and warm so that Mm. you can wipe off what's on the top layer as well. Okay. So that's kind of how that works. So it's a cream that usually has, if it's a good cold cream, it'll have, you know, under 40% oils. So okay. anything above, you're going to get that grease layer, you know, where your skin's going to be tacky and weird and you're probably going to have to wash your face again afterwards. Yeah, right. But yeah. it should have lightweight oils and have a small fraction of oils or percentage of oils so that when you wipe it off, you're wiping off the makeup and your face is moisturized, but it's not oily. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can tissue it off because that's kind of the nice thing about cold cream. You don't have to rinse it off. And you can That's still so deep clean your skin. to me. Yeah. So a lot of people think they just have to scrub, scrub, scrub. But you really don't. As long as you use something. You can even use, um, there's the oil cleansing method that a lot of people like, which I still think you need to use something afterwards to break it up. Um, yeah. Like something acidic in some sense, right. like a witch hazel, some sort of toner on top of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, you because you don't want to have you know some of the makeup remnants left over and have an oil slick on your face like that's yeah asking for trouble so like for example i'll I'll go over some of the ingredients in my cold cream that i make so that i really want to know because i know there's got to be more than just what you've like glossed over yeah so so it's come around where it's gone from you know this really gross grease to scented grease (laughs) to a water oil emulsion that's a very basic thing with olive oil And then everybody found, well, that's a little too greasy, it's a little too heavy, and it doesn't last that long. So we're going to start using preservatives, which is okay, everybody, as long as it's paraben-free. Use like 0.05%, it's very small now, and it's skin safe. Um, And otherwise you'd get mold and you don't want that on your skin. Um, They started using waxes, rose waters, almond oils, things like that, um, and making it much more lightweight because they found it does the same Mm. thing. It can remove just about anything. And it's multi-purpose now. It's not going to create a slick. So you can use it as a mask. You can use oh. it as a moisturizer. You can use it as like a cuticle cream. If you were going to use it as a mask, what is your ultimate intention? Like a hydrating mask? So you can use... So a lot of people, especially in 30s, 40s, 50, 50s, would keep it on as a mask to remove their makeup. Like, let it just really... Let it really sit there and, you know, you have your makeup on all day and just give it a second to sink into your pores and then wipe it away. So they would have a full face of makeup and, you know, put a generous amount on and then wipe it away. Um, And then maybe put a little bit more on once their skin's clean at nighttime, that type of thing. Um, 
a lot of people like to use a makeup primer too and you can use on your body you can use it for shaving because it's very oh that would be awesome which i do i fucking use it for everything that would be great i'm really not trying to pimp it i i I mean it's a multi-use product and i love having one product i can just use for everything um and people ask me what it's for all the time you're blowing my mind right now i did not even realize the number of uses i don't know why i just always assume everybody knows this it's really stupid i just thought it was a like a moisturizing cleanser that i knew that you put on your face and you wiped off but that's as much as i knew well the cool thing about how it's made today is that it's a lightweight heavy cream if that makes sense it's a thick cream but it's not a greasy oil-based cream Mm -hmm. like it has Mm -hmm. oil but it's not a high percentage so when you look at it, you think that's going to be way too heavy for my face. I have a friend whose husband, we were trying to get him to use it. And he was like, I know that's just, it's just too heavy for me. And I don't know, like if I want to put that on my face. And then he came back a week later and was like, that stuff is awesome. <laughs> See, cause he just assumed because it was thick. It was just like a heavy yeah. lotion, which I thought too, because my first experience with it was not great. Um, so what's in mine is um, sweet almond oil. Which, so this is made kind of on, and it, la- you know, it sinks into your pores and it lasts a long time. And it's thought of as like one of those high-end facial oils out there on the market. Um, good for massages too. Used in massages a lot. Oh yeah, great. Because it's just like it sinks in. It's not greasy, you know. It is um, really good. Yeah. So I used that, and then I used distilled water, which it's important to use distilled water because you don't want to have iron or a bunch of minerals in the water because uh. that can screw with people's skin. Um, like hard water in the shower sometimes. So we always use distilled water. That way it's not, you don't even chance it. It's just pure. You don't have to worry about the water component. Why would you want to? Um, aloe vera. So aloe gives like a really good glow and it's super nourishing. And it's basically me saying, instead of using all water, let me add a little like nutrient rich water. Extra something, something. Yeah, Yeah. And it sinks. So the water component sinks into your skin, you know, if you apply it like a mask. And so the the aloe vera is going to go right in there, which is great. Um, Then I use wax and I use honey, which again, the stickiness kind of helps the mask component if you use it like that. And it sinks in as well because that that mixes with water, so that dissolves in with water. So that honey is going to moisturize your skin deep down. Honey has has good properties for the skin. It does. As well. It has a yeah. lot of great properties for the skin. And so... Can soothe, I believe. Yeah, soothing. It is really... Like, you always hear honey and oatmeal for, like, yeah. exfoliating and soothing. Because it's mm-hmm. just... And that's kind of what cold cream always has been, except for camphor. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. It's just been a really... <laughs> um, like hydrating and relaxing soothing gentle cream so you can just use it everywhere you know Mm -hmm. that's kind of the idea behind it um i also put vitamin e in there because why the hell not everybody loves a little vitamin e um we use glycerin that way it just gives a little spreadability glycerin's another humectant that moisturizes skin but it's um, it helps uh, all the components like em- emulsify into each other don't doesn't it help them all yeah it just gives them a good texture yeah Sometimes it's nice to use something like that. It is. It's kind of like a gel, and so it just makes it move, glide. It gives it some some glide. Um, then I use rose absolute oil and jojoba oil, which I don't even have to explain because that's just... Who doesn't want that? Those yeah. all have amazing properties. I encourage you guys to look up both of those. Now, there's an ingredient I want to talk to you about, which is oh. gelatin. So gelatin is derived from animal bones, but... That means it's full of collagen. So do you ever hear oh. about people using, like, drinking bone broth? Yeah. Doing skincare with bone broth. It's basically the same thing. 
So there's two reasons I love using gelatin. It's insanely nutrient rich and really good for your skin. And if you think about the texture of gelatin, like making jello, it thickens mm-hmm. and hardens. And if you don't add a ton of water to it, it gets even more. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, it, it dries right out. So, so the idea of using it in cold cream is if you put it on as a mask and let it dry a little bit, it's basically, you know, like those Biore strips and stuff. Yes. It's basically the same idea where it's going to attach to dead skin and help to rip oh. it away. Rip is a bad word. <laughs> it doesn't... Remove. It doesn't hurt. It removes, yeah. So yeah. you won't even feel it. But if you do choose to use it as a mask and you let it dry a little bit, the gelatin is, oh, man, let me tell you. Can't collagen also act as like a filler, too? that will like make your skin look younger and restore and rejuvenate? new skin yeah. no collagen is a bit i mean that's the only way to reverse wrinkles and stuff like that and yeah. it's not saying that cold cream is gonna like be the fountain of youth though some people claim it is if you know i've been using it every day for i know you, years. you've heard of like oh my grandma all she used was cold cream and like right. that's why she looks so amazing you hear that one you, all the time you actually do hear that quite often and i i mean there could be some truth they'll be to like it. what was her secret it was like cold cream yeah that was but you know what a big part of that is not using a harsh cleanser yeah well, you know what the key is to having um, stopping premature aging is moisturizing. Moisturizing so and about collagen. It, if you're, yeah, like if you think about it, and you're completely depleting your skin's moisture with a harsh cleanser, your skin is dry, and yeah. when it's dry, then it starts to age faster. So that mm-hmm. com- makes complete sense. And when it's dry, a lot of people don't realize too. When it's dry, um, your skin wants to produce more oil. So if you are acne prone or you have, this is turning into like a skincare guru podcast. It really is. Yeah. Um, But just so you know. I think people with acne would think like, I don't want to put anything like that on my skin. It's going to make me break out. That's the myth. That's cold cream is actually amazing for acne prone skin because people with acne think, I mean, acne can be caused by all sorts of things. And I don't want to sit here acting like I'm a dermatologist. But, you know, breakouts can happen for all sorts of reasons, even just irritation, switching products, you know, yeah. getting samples and saying, let me try this, let me try that. And and if you break out and try something else, it can simply be the irritation. Um, but what you don't want to do is strip your skin. You don't want to use products that dry out your skin because it, did I just say that with a Canadian accent? Yeah, you did. You sounded like me. <laughs> to do that. Where did that. Where did that come from? The Canadian fell out of me. Out, out. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, that threw me off. Um, <laughs> Fully um, do. Yeah. No, fuck, man. <laughs> I need some more then. You got to send me some. I'm still waiting on my special lotion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. So Anna and I, we're going to make, well, it's a swear word. We were going to make fuckery fuck lotion. We had a big inside joke. It had to do with Buffalo Bill. It was good. And then I got, <laughs> and then of course, I'm like, I'll make it for you for a Christmas gift. Yeah, because I have time during Christmas yeah, season. Yeah, she does do not that. have time. <laughs> it was really fun. I barely had time to talk to you during Christmas season. I know. I'm going to make you a custom thing. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'll do it for Mother's Day. I think our I think our listeners want to see this lotion and it's well, launch. I've got to make it first. Should we make like a Beautiful Strange podcast line? Would anyone be interested oh in that? Oh my gosh. We could make Folly do a real thing. Yeah. And fuckery fuck. But it's all things that come from our mind anyway, and yeah. we do that for Zoya Vera and for the Parlor Co., so why don't yeah. we make a beautiful strange line, too? That would be really fun. Yeah. 
Love it. We could actually swear on products and get away with it. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Ooh. That would be the whole point. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, Put this on your fucking skin, bitches. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's what the directions say. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> your skin looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. Here, use this. Ding. We'll do commercials for it. It'll be sweet. Hey, if you guys want that, all you have to do is let us know a bunch of times and then we'll do it. Because <laughs> why not? That sounds really fun. We might do it just for ourselves, so. I don't remember what I was saying, because now, is your mind just swirling with fuckery fuck lotion ideas? An yeah. entire fuckery yeah. fuck line? Yeah. I get it. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. Um, so I talked about gelatin. That's the last ingredient in the cold cream, by the way. Yeah. It's just basic stuff. And that way, so you can see all those ingredients are super, super gentle. Yeah. I thought you were going to have it say so many more complicated things. And that was like pretty yeah, basic. That's like nothing. And I like it. It's like yeah. stuff you'd find in your kitchen and then a few yeah. little doodads that are super fancy and really good for you. So why not? Oh, and I wanted to say one more thing. One more quick thing about cold say cream. Say it. The difference between cold cream and vanishing cream. Oh, okay. Please tell me. So the only reason, so cold cream and vanishing cream, I, I don't know the origins of vanishing cream, but I think it came out during the peak height popularity of cold cream. And it was mm. called vanishing cream to differentiate between cold cream because people use cold cream to kind of apply to their skin and it was heavy mm-hmm. and to wipe it off and to remove makeup. Vanishing cream was meant to be called vanishing cream so that you understood it vanishes into the skin. It's lightweight, oh, it goes into your skin. and you leave it on. Right, it was just yeah. to differentiate, because there was no lotion. Oh. It wasn't like face lotion, body lotion, that type of thing, it was so So huge. it's not a skin brightener. No, but but when mm. it was called vanishing cream, marketing companies took off being like, yes, it'll make freckles your vanish. Your complexion, yeah. Look. It'll make you ravishing. So some people still ask me like, what will it make vanish? And it yeah it's, like it it's will not, just vanish into your skin yeah so that's that's the only <laughs> that is so interesting there. i did not know that i'm glad i could share that tidbit yeah i, w- I think i'm gonna make a fun little behind the scenes video because i do i get those questions so much uh, yeah but yeah vanishing cream is simply more lightweight kind of daily use cold cream is like take it all off i can't make any claims but i, I <laughs> Yeah, everyone seems to really like your vanishing cream and your cold cream. Thank you. Well, it's fun, too, to have those historic products that you can't really find anywhere else. It's really fun to make them. What's so weird is that I have a a bunch of different brands in our general store online. And this is going to sound like a plug, but it's not. Like, (laughs) the Zolia Vera products sell way better than all of the other products, always. Really? Yeah. That's exciting. Anna, she had a brick and mortar store and she would always text me when she made a Zolia Vera sale. Like, someone just came in and bought Florid Balm. This person wanted shaving cream and I told them all about you. And it's my favorite yeah. thing in the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a somewhat of a conflict of interest, I guess. But it's just interesting. Like, I, I share all the kind of products we sell on our on our social media, all different kinds of brands. And still, it speaks for itself. I think it's also because people that are looking at my products... Mm-hmm commonly are going to look for products like yours yeah no they so it go, just kind of hand fits in, hand in. well yeah it's the same target audience but yeah. yeah no that's probably why we're friends because those ideas started in our brain yeah. and then we made them and then we realized <laughs> there's evidence that our brains are so goddamn similar it's perfect yeah. it's kind of nice but isn't it so cool to think about that that everything was in someone's head at some point and then it becomes a reality yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything you see around you 
didn't exist and somebody am i blowing your Until mind somebody Should took action yeah. and they did it yeah <laughs> but isn't, i just think it's so cool it means nothing unless you do it you can think about it all day long yeah, yeah. just try it guys hey if you're a creative person out there and you want to try something like drawing or painting or snowboarding i don't know why i said that cooking cooking anything try it guys i did i tried snowboarding about a year ago where you I almost died <laughs> like legitimately i thought it would be I, I had done it once before about 15 years prior and um i took ben to big bear for his birthday as a surprise and we went snowboarding and we went up the wrong um lift and we ended up on like the black diamond whatever course oh, we were not supposed to be on <laughs> and i couldn't get down the mountain and i was just falling all over the place and i got the wind knocked out of me and uh, i ended up walking down carrying my snowboard crying i thought I, you were I gonna say your husband <laughs> i cried like i i legitimately cried that like, sounds horrible yeah you paid for yeah. that Oof. yeah i'm glad i did it but man oh man I live in Maine, and everybody here likes winter activities. I yeah. don't like them. <laughs> I actually really like the cold, but not like. Um, I don't like like doing. You're stuff more of in like it. a croquet girl. <gasps> see, I love croquet. I'm, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Of course, I love croquet. <laughs> Your face just mm-hmm. lit up. I can see her face, guys, and she just like was like you. Because you went me. to my. Soul. I can see you like holding like a little champagne coupe glass, and just like. Croquet, anyone? Hmm. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> well, that's me and my pencil skirt playing some croquet. Yeah, I could, that's just yeah. me. Oh, now I want to. I can't because yeah. there's three feet of snow outside. Yeah, I have. I have one. You do. I'm vintage right, I'll style. I'll go there one. and play croquet. Yeah. yeah, but I don't have a yard, so we have um, to come to you inside. Then <laughs> condo croquet. <laughs> <laughs> it could be good. We'll get some of that like roll out turf, you know. You guys always have droughts anyway, so I'm sure. AstroTurf, AstroTurf croquet. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot of that out here. Think how much dust and dirt settle on your skin. And makeup clings to your skin, too, and clogs pores. That's why your face needs a thorough cleansing each day. And that's why cleansing tests were made by an independent testing laboratory. This same kind of dirt was made just radioactive enough to register on a Geiger counter. Leading cleansing creams, complexion soaps, and Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream were used to remove this dirt. The Geiger counter proved that Dorothy Gray Salon Cold Cream cleanses up to two and a half times more thoroughly than any soap or other cleansing well, cream my tested. topic actually isn't too in-depth, so that's probably good since our other topics are so lengthy. Um... But it's applicable to something that's happening today. And although this podcast will air a few days after, uh, I woke up this morning and I felt really good. And I was like, had this renewed sense of the dark clouds have separated and I'm good to go. And I, of course, you know, like every other person in the world, what do you do when you wake up? You open your phone. And you look at your phone, unfortunately. That's what we do, um, yeah. And I realized that it was spring equinox. <gasps> I forgot about that. You told yeah. me and I just went, yeah, fuck, whatever, because I was busy. Yeah, you're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. You were so excited. I'm sorry I crushed your dreams. You were yeah, really excited Yeah, I was really about excited it. about that. But that's kind of why I said it in our earlier text message, because I was like, hint, hint, 
<gasps> I didn't realize you were hinting because yeah. I was being a bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have some little interesting, strange facts about spring, about equinox. Um, so first of all, you probably all, if you don't know, are wondering what is spring equinox, but it's also known as vernal equinox. And it's the first day of spring. Um, it means that there is equal night today and they both last 12 hours. I did not know that. Yeah. I've been having like a lot of anxiety leading up to this time. A lot of people say this, that, that um, as spring starts to approach and there's a lot of energy in the atmosphere and people get really anxious. But then it also can do what's called, and this is an actual proven thing, and I've heard of it, but I've never actually looked into it, and it's called spring fever. Go on. So spring fever is a real thing. Um, and I feel like I've been experiencing this myself and it didn't occur to me until I looked up information about spring equinox that I learned this. But okay, so some of you have probably experienced like around this time you're feeling a flushed face, increased heart rate. Um, a lot of people are shown to like be daydreaming a lot mm. and they're feeling really romantic. So I don't identify. I you don't identify with this at all. I'm just yeah. a loner. I'm a loner, Dottie. I'm a rebel. Yeah. So around this time, people like start to get restless because the winter is coming to an end and people want to get outside. They want to like party. <laughs> so I'm glad you said it like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I've quoted Bridesmaids twice. You just got all youthful for a second. Raise yeah. the roof. So your mood is boosted, your energy increases, and it also makes people sexually aroused. Does it? It, it refers to both the physiological, physiological and psychological symptoms associated with the arrival of spring. Do you think um, it has to do with coming out of seasonal depression? You know, they say that around here a whole lot. It is because they say they can't really pinpoint exactly what causes spring fever, but it's likely that it's very based on hormone levels. So, mm -hmm. you know, your hormones shift during the seasons. So as your horm hormones start to shift towards spring and you start to like come out of hibernation, essentially. Yeah. You know, I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, my God, it's spring equinox. Like today is super awesome. And then somebody reminded me on our social media account that Mercury goes into retrograde in two days. Fuck. So it might be short lived, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to like just live up the next two days. Who rained on our parade? That's yeah, rude. No, it was sweet. But <laughs> in another episode, I think I'm going to talk about stuff like that. Like it retrogrades and planetary like effects on the moon and on our, on our mood. You no, know I'd love that. So, yeah. yeah. So um, I think it's safe to say that like Allison will always provide like your all your like little beauty tips. And I'm probably going to talk about weird weird new agey things tarot crystals planets are you trying to out strange me no okay you're gonna probably talk about really strange like weird women and yeah. cosmetics i know of some very strange women i talked about ectoplasm coming out of a vagina last week i mean you're way me some strange points your, your level of strange is so during um, the equinox, the sun rises exactly due east and sets due west. Mm. Um, a couple interesting things about historical monuments that are related to the equinox. So the Great Sphinx in Giza actually faces 
the sunrise and it, they purposely built it that way so that during the equinox it's looking straight at the sun other ancient sites are are said to play tricks with the equinox like stonehenge and there's also oh there was there was one that was like the chichen itza so at the chichen itza in mexico mm -hmm. the mayans celebrate the first day of spring with the return of the sun serpent so on the evening of the spring spring equinox the sunset the setting sun creates a triangular shadow on the el castillo pyramid and it looks like a descending snake or the feather serpent god kukulan kukulkan kukulkan i said that wrong i'm gonna start saying cut, that when cut i sneeze that out. descending snake and then just cut but here's the last thing i have to say about the spring equinox i don't know how much of this i believe but it's based in Spanish mythology, and it said that fairies, which are six inches tall, which they take care of the forests, um, they come out and they begin to dance on the equinox. And during this time, they leave little gifts of roses that are purple, green, and like gold. Mm -hmm. And if you find one, you're said to have happiness for the rest of your life. Don't you love romantic little stories like that? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about fairies either. When I believe... There are forest creatures out there that kind of come out and are weird, like maybe werewolves or ghosty creatures. There's just so yeah. many legends out there. I really yeah. want to believe in fairies, don't you? Because it's just such a fun idea. And there's such, there's so much folklore about them. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, why if there's so much folklore, mm -hmm. usually things are based in some truth. Right. So, I mean, it could be far removed from the original truth. I think that's probably what we're dealing with. Well, fairies were blamed for a lot of things, though. Mischief. Fairies were ch were blamed for changelings back in the day. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's a lot that they're blamed for, but we don't know. We don't yeah. know if they're guilty. We're going to get to the bottom of this fairy business, guys. They're going to come after us. Should we outro? Yeah. Should we outro? I still have the boy's mind stuck in my head. We talked for an hour. Brandy and Monica still going strong that in my head. Boy is mine. You need yeah. to give it up. Can that just be our outro song? Just <laughs> just this once. Come on. Maybe we should do that. Boy is mine. Did we just start a band? Did we just become best friends? Do any of our listeners listen listen? I wish that was a podcast. Watch Step Brothers. <laughs> because Because we do. Because we fucking like that movie a lot. Yeah. We really do. I watched it last night. <laughs> maybe really? I feel like people wouldn't think that about us. Well, maybe if they listen to this, they would understand. I've been making a few new friends, and I am contemplating whether I'm going to share the fact that that's one of my favorite movies because yeah. I think they might think lesser of me. Yes, <laughs> same boat. I yeah, but I feel like if people saw us at a glance and saw what we do in our work, they'd be like, "Those girls don't like Step Brothers at all." It's just so our style of comedy. And yeah. I like that we can share that. And I, yeah, if you listen to this podcast, you're getting 100%, 100% the real us. So that's true. No filter. That's just what we do here. We're not that cool. But it feel, doesn't it feel good, though, to just completely yeah, be does. yourself? Because I, I can't think of any, it's almost like public speaking, but yeah. not having to have anxiety about it. No, I feel like with public speaking, which I've done a little bit of, I don't think of myself in that situation at all. Yeah. But here I'm just like, whatever. Here it's just us. You know? Yeah. Just us. I like Step Brothers. 
I'm not cool. Do you I, like do you like guacamole? Now gather round while I lose a date on what goes on when it gets late. Along about midnight, the ghosts and banshees get together for a jamboree. There's ghosts with horns and saucer eyes. Some have fangs about this size. Some short and fat, some tall and thin. And some don't even bother to wear their skin. 